0: RBA Battle, managing partner at Okami Hotels, joins us on New Tricks this week for a chat about whether luxury is still a safe bet, the return of opportunistic investors, and how Musk's purchase of Twitter might be just the boost the sector needs. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is the regular podcast from New Dog PR. We haven't had a podcast for a while, and lo and behold, we have many, many new prime ministers, which we'll get on to at some point, no doubt. That energy costs, Elon Musk. I mean there's all sorts of things that we can we can chatter about. Um, Catherine, how are you? I'm very well and you'll note that um that we've been
1: able to have this podcast today because I have returned to France where we have the internet um so it's going well it's going well i've had to go but so Brexit breaks brilliant though it's i've got no further comment to make on that it's completely unrelated it's just coincidence just coincidence
0: just coincidence but the, the the depth and the level of effort you will go to it's to podcast, record a podcast it's, podcast. it's, it's just astounding. astounding i know i know i'm devoted And we are all grateful. Uh, Joining us this week, we're delighted third time, third time of trying, but we are even, so therefore we are three times more thrilled. And mostly,
1: almost exclusively our
0: fault. (laughs) Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Javier Battle, managing partner at Okami Hotels. How are you? Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for inviting me um, to this uh, great podcast. Um, I'm good, I'm doing good. Thank you.
0: Tell us a little bit um, about the business. Tell us... What, for the uninitiated amongst us, tell us how what the business is, how it's going. Give us a little bit of an overview, an introduction.
2: So Okami started three years ago now, right at almost at the beginning of COVID. And Okami is a set is a, is a setup in in Spain and Portugal. We're hospitality asset manager, operating partner, and advisor in in Spain and Portugal. We are based in Barcelona, uh, but we cover in Spain and Portugal. From here, we manage. Complex mandates within, within this asset class. And the mandates are from asset management of operational hotels, upscale and luxury only, hotel development. We do NPL, hotel NPL rehabilitation. And we as well uh, work a lot on the buy and sell side, advisory to mostly to our clients or asset management or the clients we are partnering to operations. So we aim to say and quickly uh, consistently outperform uh, returns in the sector, if that sounds easy. And, and I think we're pretty proud that it's something we, we we are consistently achieving as of today. We have um, seven properties under management, um, two in Portugal and five in Spain. And we are based in Barcelona, so seven people. Um, this is who we are.
0: And how, go on. Why, why,
1: why, why, why luxury? Why aren't you thinking, I'd love to manage a load of Ibises?
2: Well I think honestly this is this, we started with two with a two asset mandate of um working with Davidson Kemner and these two hotels were five star uh hotels located in Catalonia, in the Catalonia region in, in Spain. So this is how we started. Actually the team was uh the team started working together at a hostel platform for BlackRock. So we were definitely far from luxury, right? Um mm-hmm. But this is how the business has started. And, and, and from then we've moving, we've been moving. Uh, we've got a five star resort in, in Portugal. We've got a lifestyle urban property in, in Lisbon, a mama shelter. We've also have, um, another, another property now in the Canary Islands, which is also a five star. It's just, it just happened naturally. It's been organic growth and it's just been flowing naturally. Uh, uh and it's great. It's great.
0: And, and there's a lot, there's a sustained interest, I think it's fair to say, in luxury. We all wondered whether, when the pandem- pandemic hit, whether everyone would flee to Ibises. Um, but as glorious as they are, it does seem that luxury is something of a, would you agree that it's something of a, a safe bet?
1: Although, I mean, we have seen in, in recent weeks, haven't we, with Marriott buying into the mid-market, um, which has been interesting because they were all, Ooh! Luxury, luxury, and um, you can't see my luxury hands, obviously, on the podcast, but they are very luxury. Um, they're all like, oh, luxury, luxury, and now they're like, oh, mid-market also would be pleasant because everyone is like skinned now.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think that, I mean, we've been this, we've been hearing for a while um, uh, discussion about if you know, basically, we're heading or not into a recession. I think that this this discussion is over. We clearly already technically in some countries into a recession and we're gonna we're gonna definitely get into a global recession next year right so uh, on this context of rising inflation rising interest rate rising energy costs i mean luxury segment and resorts or urban is is a goal because at the end the luxury is a less price sensitive consumer market or positioning or segment and right if you look at a when we worked in, in in hostels, which is in the other completely on the other side of, as of a price segment, um, we looked as well in, the, to the, la- in the to the last crisis, financial crisis in the two thousand seven to nine to eleven to twelve, depending on the country, and and basically the the, 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 the hotel segments that behaved uh, better or were more resilient were luxury and budget and, and I don't see why we're not gonna have the same now, right? Budget is is at the bottom and, and it's like hostess, right? On a price per bed by twenty or thirty euros, how can you go down from there? And the whole PNL, the whole business model is based on that price price point. And then a luxury is different, right? Because it's because the, 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 it's not that much into the PNL, which is quite sensitive to pricing actually. It's just by the fact that the, the consumers are just not price sensitive. At a luxury, and I think it's important to make a differentiation between here into luxury and upscale, uh, because there's definitely a big difference between an upscale property of Marriott and a luxury property of Marriott or a Four Seasons Hotel.
1: So carry on, Riching.
0: Yeah, it does seem to be the way, doesn't it? As as um, as I can attest to, in deep in the middle of lockdown, it wasn't deep in the middle of lockdown because I was very compliant, obviously. But at some point when we were allowed out in a controlled fashion. Uh, There was some sort of open air theatre cinema thing at Bristol Airport um, which is very interesting, off we went, sat in the car, theatre going on, out the back of a truck type thing it sounds awful, it was better and it was something to do Well it we was probably choosers
1: doing it at that point exactly.
0: it, was, it was an experience and we all know we are all seeking experiences but as we were sat in our car in Bristol Airport watching this thing off the back of a truck, it's David Walliams thing I think but that's another story, um, there were an alarming amount of private jets zooming in and out of Bristol Airport so so yes, rich will still be rich, pandemic or no pandemic. Luxury is go. Exactly.
1: Well, if, you know, Elon's got enough money to spend forty-four billion on uh, on Twitter. Then like, you probably probably spend a weekend or so in Four Seasons. It seems. I just imagine so. Yes. Um, one thing, one thing uh, which is kind of related that um, that I was interested in with resorts is I was reading, and you are helping me with the tra- with the, the speaking of this. I was reading El País yesterday, not in the original Spanish, as you can imagine. Um, but uh, but there was lots of chat about how, and apparently this started last winter, that people were filling up resorts and hotels. Coming from the cold lands in the north uh, to the warm lands where electricity is cheaper. And of course, you don't need so much of it for heating because it's warm in Spain. Um, is this something you're seeing? Is this like a. We've heard a lot about digital nomads in the last couple of years, and it, most of it's been offensive and wrong. Um, but uh, is, is this something that we're seeing as a, as a trend? People kind of following the. Following the cheap energy, following the sun, like so many things, like birds migrating, mm-hmm. or birds, or migrating birds, but for, for less
2: less energy bills. Well, I think if we look at the at the at the years at the five or five to seven years before the pandemic, um, we we had a, a certain a certain rules, especially seasonality rules, and certain certain ways the market was was behaving. Right um, through pandemic, a lot of things have changed, and I think we have. An abnormal year in 2000, 2022. I think that whatever is going on this year is might be just particular of actually this year and this season, and 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 it might just just be just be a punctual or a, or an annual trend. I think that um, many things would change over the next years. So it is true that seasons are changing, like we are. I mean, as in London, right, we're in October, are we, right? It's just the weather is it's, it's completely changed. It's pretty chill here in Barcelona. Right now, you, you know, we are on, a, on, a, on an average of 15 to 25 degrees. I mean, it's it's almost an extension of September now. So the weather is helping, but as well, many things have changed during the pandemic. I think that, you know, if you look at Spanish resorts and, and Portuguese resorts, I mean, these are a ones that register a quicker uh, rebound. Tourism numbers versus the rest of the world, and uh, especially Mediterranean destinations. I mean, we first got, I mean, we got the international arrivals back this year, and 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 if you look at uh, at uh, Mediterranean airports, you look at the arrivals in in Mediterranean airports for this year. We've achieved ninety three percent of arrivals this year versus versus two thousand nineteen. I mean, the market, been back, and 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 what's Definitely made a difference, not only in volumes in, in terms of rates. We got a, we got the pent up demand or the champagne effect, if you want to call it that way. Um, that that was helped by the lifting of travel restrictions and all of all of that uh, has represented an average total of an eighty out of twenty two percent. So I think that um, that we have many factors. We also have the fact of the U.S. travelers. Um, now booming into Europe and also booming into certain resource destinations, which they weren't before, like Mallorca, especially Mallorca or Costa del Sol in Spain or as well in Portugal in Algarve. So, and they are high spenders. They right now have definitely a, a very good currency position versus the euro. So it's a very, very particular year. But if you're looking at the next year, the next season or the next couple of years, I think. Um, many things will change and not for the good, to be honest. I think we have a, we we have a very particular year. It's just like when you look at inflation in other, in other, in other industries, right? And and you wonder why inflation isn't going down if we are increasing interest rates. It's because there's that fast, right? It's because there's a tremendous amount of savings and there's, and that is, that sums up to an, an emotional uh, uh, an emotional situation on travelers—that is what I refer as pent-up demand—and that that amount of savings I think won't last for long, considering the the, the winter that is coming and how you know the demand will approach next season. So I think that we are under a very particular year, but it's going to be that it's going to be a one very particular year. But I think that things will change for the next years
1: o- operationally. How difficult is it likely to be? Um, in your segment, once the massive increases in the ADR start to drop off,
2: that's a very good point. I mean, uh, <laughs> of course. Well, I, I think that um, if you look at it, if you look at the GOP, right? I mean, the, the GOP is is a big question mark for the next years, right? Because gro- the gross operating profit is is highly, it's directly affected uh, by energy costs, of course, especially in resorts. If we talk about resorts. Like energy costs in a resort could go as high as to six to eight percent, depending on water consumption and then on how big are the gardens and how many pools they have. But energy consumption is a thing, and it's a big thing. And many resorts, at least in in Spain and Portugal, which I know, are not definitely um, very well positioned for in order to manage uh, consumption consumption levels. Right? It hasn't been a thing. It's uh, energy costs. I've never been a warrior at all. So the whole system, the whole, the whole, um, management, it's not set up for, for, for a drastic reduce of consumption. Neither the gas mentality is there. So, uh, energy is going to be a big thing and, and we're going to have issues with that and how that would affect you over the next years, obviously food costs, raw material costs. And that is where. If you look at um, at at, at, the, at how the rates have behaved, especially in the upscale and luxury segment, um, over the over the last um, rolling nine to twelve months, you'd see why luxury hotels are very well positioned to to, to fight inflation and fight the rising interest costs because they would be increasing rates above inflation, and, and others won't be able to, and then there there will be an effect on GOP. an effect on GOP. So. I mean, results are resilient, but to a certain extent, right? That's that's maybe the whole point.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. We await with bated breath, Bank of England. I think announcement today, which uh, and uh, predicting interest rate hike not seen since 1980. 1980- no, 2008. 2008. Is it okay? Yeah. But anyway, gopping Isn't is it? the answer. Really,
1: what I will say is it's a really exciting time to be trying to arrange a mortgage in London. That is what I will say.
2: I think I was well about labor. We've lost like sixty, I think it's sixty million jobs lost in 2020 due to COVID, uh, in travel and tourism worldwide. Um, and I mean we've had a very strong market recovery this year and that created a reality with chart labor shortages. I mean a lot of workers moved to other industries. We also got less uh, immigrants with the travel restrictions and and, and and funny things like Brexit, but but uh, especially not that's not really with COVID, but but still, we've got we've got travel restrictions affecting immigration which 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 of course has been has been a problem for our industry so i think when you look at a at a resort the resort needs um, flexible contracts because of seasonality so it's not that attractive right um, it also has issues with uh, limitations on, on available accommodation for for the workers we have that situation especially in spain in the balearic islands and uh, where it's almost impossible for hospitality uh, workers to find proper or decent accommodation at an acceptable uh, rent for the season. Plus also transportation, Like right? If you move to work into a resort in the valley or in the Canary Islands, you just don't have the same uh, access to public transportation as you will have in London, Barcelona or Paris. So you need to have a car or share a car. So we have an issue with labor in the resort and this issue would be it is a problem and it will be a, a, a big, um, a big, a big, um, you know, question mark for the next years, how, how this will be managed by, by the biggest industry players. So that, that sounds to, and that, that as well, I mean, at least here in Southern Europe, we're starting to have big discussions on, 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 on in different industries not in hospitality about, about salaries and how salaries should be increasing. So, if you ask me about how things will look like, I mean, I think GOP is going to be uh, affected significantly by by all of these things, right? And and if you don't have a, the capacity to push rates up, or at least to maintain rates at a certain degree, things will go just down. I, unless you tell me how, <laughs> but, um, but 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 yeah, I, I think it's pretty it's pretty pretty factic and basic, right?
1: And yet, and yet, despite all that um investors still are piling into the sector um and, and usually this is the point of the podcast where we say well leases least it's not offices um but it must be it must be something more than just that hotels aren't offices um you deal with investors what are they looking for at the moment and and where are you seeing the opportunities
2: it's, yeah i agree with you i mean i was looking at some some figures of course and and it's not that i have these in, in my head every day but uh In the MED, we've had um, 2.8 billion of uh, investment in the Mediterranean region of hotels, which is 40% above 2019 in resorts. While in urban hotels, in urban hotel assets, that's decreased 45% versus 2019. So it's 40% up in resorts, 45% down in urban, right? Why are resorts that attractive? And in Spain, it's 1.1 1.1 billion in 2019 and then in 2021, point, billion. So there's more and more investment even with COVID getting into resorts. There were many reasons back then, but you know why investors, I mean, like resorts, well, I think why they won't, right? I think that is, is has proved to be, uh, especially on, on, on certain segments and with certain operators, a very resilient asset class. And, and I think that if you looked at it as a, as a, as, you know, as a person, as a, as an individual, I mean, we will always need outlets. We will always always go for holidays. We will always, there will be always demand higher and lower, but there will be always demand gathering into, into hotel resorts in Southern Europe. And I think that the COVID has proved that. And, and especially has proved the resilience of the industry. How things are changing. I mean. As you say as, as we were with investors, so I think there are many things moving into the into the investment side. Um, we're seeing more and more alternative lending preparing and into the discussions we're seeing opportunistic investors back we're seeing uh, many of the big names setting up teams or making noise, raising capital for opportunistic investments as well as alternative lending or financing. We think these two are going to be. Are gonna be around for at least a couple of years, especially next year. Um, I think that it's already assumed that values will go down. I mean, values are already down, right? I mean, it's it's. I don't. I, I'm not sure about the correlation between rising interest rates and prices, as it is with Resi. Um And it, I guess it, of course, changes. I guess not. It changes depending on the market. But values will go down. They are already down. And the question is how. Uh, for how much and for how long, right? I mean, also, you know, you look at yields and, and there's a, since 2019, because before 2000, 2009, sorry, it's very difficult to track data on hotel yields before 2009. But if you look at since 2009, 2011, in hotel yields, the hotel yields have been compressing along the compression of the 10-year bonds and the and the River. And There's a direct correlation between between this and and everybody's going up, and the ten-year bonds are going up, so just at some point, if not yet already, sorry, have gone up. So values are going down, right? And 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 there's a, and the equity is on hold. I will say equity is on hold. We see the equity, the equity is here, but it's on hold because the pipeline is, is somehow overvalued. And um, but there's there's this gap is. It's just um I think it's going to get fixed in, in, in during the first semester of next year also particularly in in, in Spain we have what well, what is, is is a funny thing to say the winter that is coming right it's time to repay we've had the sepi uh, cofides eco which are um, governmental aid programs into the hospitality industry we got 380 million from sepi into hospitality we got a hundred million from coffee into hospitality and into recent ecos have been 16.7 billion of liquidity and it's time to repay. It's time to repay for many names, many groups that I'm not going to be naming now, but there are many, many groups there that need to repay. Um, it's time for opportunistic investment. It's time for alternative lending. It's time for, um, probably for NPLs again. We'll see, but it's going to be, there's going to be activity. It's just not going to be the same type of activity. And I wonder what many of the of the investors that raised capital last year on the basis of certain returns and certain um, leverage would do.
1: I, I also do wonder whether we're likely to see a, a longer period, or well, inevitably a longer period of long-term holding and kind of a more sober approach to the sector, maybe fewer Kind of six-year turnarounds. Well, of course, we haven't seen those anyway because of the because of the pandemic. But on one wonders whether. Well. Well, but the reason
2: why the reason why we have, I mean, many were expecting when in twenty, many were expecting a unique and 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 real opportunity, especially opportunistic investors into hospitality. Right? It was just many capital was raised on that thesis, on that theory, on that basis. Order
1: so, of reckoning. It was It was exactly. perfect. <laughs>
2: It was coming. It was the time. And honestly, I work with investors, but I am a, I consider myself as well as a hotelier. So I I don't enjoy seeing the sector suffering, right? It's true that it's activities. It's true that my clients are targeting certain type of returns and and this is where we are. This is what we do, right? But, but it's not something we enjoy, right? Seeing hoteliers suffering. But, but it's true that at that time, it was just like everyone, many investors got very excited and capital was raised on that basis. And, and I've seen vehicles that raise 100 or 200 million equity making two deals in, in two years. Because we've got cheap financing, we've got governmental aid. Um, the hoteliers were coming from a long period of, I mean, of success and profitability since 2013, 14. So they got big pockets, right? But if you look at the situation now in Southern Europe, this has completely changed. You know the 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 capital is not cheap anymore. The financing and the lending is just more available, but at a higher price. The governmental aid is is somehow partly gone, and it has to be repaid. There are shortages of labor. Many hoteliers have spent many of their reserves into going through COVID without selling their assets. Let's see, let's see. But I think that now we're gonna hit. We're gonna we're going to see a time for opportunistic investment this time, and especially after winter.
0: You mentioned, um, it's all gone a bit Game of Thrones, hasn't it? The winter is coming. Um, You mentioned the, um, ready for the White Walkers, Uh, maybe that's private equity in disguise, who knows? Um, You mentioned that staggering figure of close to 3 billion investment within the um, Mediterranean region. Are there any particular hotspots within the region that investors are super keen on?
2: Well, if you ask me about Spain and Portugal, Greece and Italy are not on our radar at the moment. But in Spain and Portugal, I mean, the key resort destinations are always there. I mean, in in Portugal, you've got the Algarve. And then in Spain, we still see high liquidity in in assets in the Canary Islands, in the Balearics, in Costa del Sol. There's also liquidity in the Mediterranean um, coastal region from north to south, right? But especially in the Balearics, the Canary Islands, and the Costa del Sol. In the Balearics, we've seen... Record transaction of, uh, of a portfolio bought by, by, um, Fatal Hotel Group, Fatal Holdings last year from KKR, a record pricing thanks to the fact that they are owner operator, of course, and bidding other, other capital. Um, we've seen record transactions in the Canary Islands. We've seen record transactions in Costa del Sol with Bane and Stonework. I think that these are the regions that are on, on, on the top. Uh, and I think they will, they would stay there so these are the these are the these are the reasons or regions in 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 Spain or Portugal where uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of i see high liquidity i'll say
0: i was wondering when you were talking about um all the various challenges facing uh resorts i sort of got two questions so i'll do them one at a time because I... Bad, bad behaviour is to ask 12 questions in one. Um, our resort, so in the UK, we've seen, because of all the, the various pressures on operations, um, we've seen some hotels adopt a more seasonal approach to operating. So they've, in some cases, either slimmed down or completely closed over the winter months. Our resorts more capable of having that flexibility? Um, because because there's natural seasonality, I guess, anyway, are resorts sort of better set up to be able to flex like that?
2: Well, I think that's one of the reasons why they've been many resilient during COVID, right? Because they've been able to open and close when it was right timing, not that a like urban hotel where they have to stay 365 years running around. So I think, yes, definitely. Um, however... I go back to the point on labor, right? If you want to have a luxury set up, if you want to have an upscale, international branded hotel running and hitting decent rates, you need to retain talent. You need to retain people. You cannot kick them out of the property and don't give them anything at all for six months, right? You need to retain certain senior, mid-senior management, and that comes at a cost. So of course you are able, you, you, you should be able to to go through the winter and the and the and the lower the lower seasons better than other but um, but at the same time you carry certain costs and and uh, and if you don't excel in the in the peak season during during the July or September um, you have an issue you have an issue so but the challenge i think it's been there but it has never been like really faced in Spain is is on on the low seasons i mean the low seasons are are, are, are just, are just lost. Um, and, 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 and you see all the techs, stakeholders blaming other, each other. Right. So hoteliers are, blame, are blaming, governments. Governments are blaming, um, airlines, right. And airlines are blaming the operators, and the other airline, right. There's more and more latent demand for the shoulder seasons and for the, for the, for the low season and for the winter. Especially with the with the changes in, in temperature and in climate we've seen, which which are not definitely a good thing, but might be an opportunity. So we've seen that and, and we've seen certain terms like what it's called now the workations. I, I, I hate these names, but but they are they, you know, we have to live with them. The workations, so this hybrid work and, and these hybrid workers are demanding more and more for um, airborne connections during low season months and and, and, and hospitality offering during the low season months. And we've seen that, for instance, a lot in, we have an asset in Madeira, and the under, under renovation repositioning of a property, it's huge, it's 55,000 square meters. So it's just taking a while. But we track the market, we track the players, and we've seen, for instance, in places like Madeira, a surge in demand during the low seasons. It's not very seasonal market, but it's still seasonal, more seasonal than the Canadian. We've seen a, a, an increase of demand during the, during the, during the shoulder seasons. And mostly because of, of these workations, travelers, or work... I don't know how to name them. You name them. You're more creative than I. So so I think that, um, I mean, doing, doing its best to, to, to open during the shoulder months and the low season is definitely the thing to do. One of our, the hotels we have under management, uh, which is called the uh, name Santa Marta in, in the Costa Brava in North Barcelona... We're actually opening till winter this year. Um but it's 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 always the same. I mean, many hoteliers here are taking these challenges, but this these are challenges that need to be taken. Not only to because they, they would they would generate profits, maybe not immediate, but they will generate profits on the midterm. Also because um, if you wanna return talent nowadays, you need to give decent labour conditions, and that is not only salary, that's also stability.
0: I'm slightly disappointed to hear that, so in my mind, um, and regular listeners will have heard me talk about this forever, in my mind, the reason that the UK have such a poor relationship with labour and hospitality is because we don't value food, but then that's a whole... We'll extrapolate that back another day. But I had I had assumed, and perhaps wrongly, that the Mediterranean culture, which embraced food, embraced hospitality, sort of equated to better better um, conditions for hospitality workers. But it sounds like a, a lot of what you're saying is there are very similar issues across the Mediterranean that we're seeing um, in the UK.
1: Yeah,
2: definitely. I mean... I, I mean, there's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's probably another podcast, right? I'm not yeah. I'm talking yeah. about, about, no, no, no. I mean, I love it, but it's, it's a big, it's a big one, right? On, on, on in hospitality because I'm, I studied hospitality. I worked at hotels since I'm 16, 17 years old. And, and, and I know what it is to be a receptionist about boy and, and working in housekeeping and it's tough and it's not well paid. It's never been. And, and I don't know. I wonder why you know, um, international travelers feel treated when they are at mid-scale and budget resort hotels in Spain because I don't think they are very well uh, treated at all. And if you wonder why, you should also think what are the labor conditions of of those workers, right? I think that's another thing with luxury, right? I mean, I worked also at a Mandarin Oriental as a waiter and I worked as a waiter in a a four-star budget hotel in Budapest, right? So I had both experiences in my career and these experiences are completely different, right? So it all comes at a price. It is true, but going to your point, the 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 salary and and the conditions of uh, hospitality uh, workers in 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 Spain and uh, I'll say more in Spain are far from where they should be. And um, and I think I I am able to state that with with some years of experience in different different places in this industry. So. It, it is a reality and, and it's, an, um, it's a reality that is it, I think it's coming to a point where it needs to be faced and things, certain things need to be fixed. And sometimes, you know, what the issue is with unions is that they focus more on, on but it, it, I think it comes, it comes this way, especially in, in southern Europe, like unions focus a lot on, 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 on difficult, making, making it very difficult for, for hoteliers to restructure label, to fire employees restructure the labor, right? They, they focus on making your life as a hotel owner, as a operator, very difficult on making changes, but they don't focus on the salary side, which all the, the incentives. And, and yeah, it's more protective than, than, you know, it's, it, you know, how the system is, it's less capitalist and more socialist here. So it's just, it's just, um, yeah, I think the other way around, of course.
0: Interesting.
1: Clearly, the podcast we should doing is should be doing is three former housekeepers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. We'll do another one. But we'll uh,
2: another- you know, <laughs> at the, in the end, is is sometimes not just monetary, right? Uh, you look at a PNL, a hotel PL, and and, and normally thirty to forty percent of the PNL costs, even up to fifty percent, its labor. So why the heck? What the heck are you doing? <laughs> what, the, what the heck are you doing, right? I mean, we are a operating partner asset management firm, but. We, 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 we people, right. We, we just our business businesses. People, uh, it's like an advisory firm, right. I mean, my main focus as a, as a CEO, managing partner, whatever you name it, it's my people, right. And, 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 and there are hoteliers around. Like I can name Antonio Catalan, who's a, a very well known hotelier in Spain. And he's always been very focused on, on, on his people, on on the, on the employees. Right. But, but not many are not many.
0: Are. No yeah i think we've we'll we'll have to continue this on in another episode because as you say we could fill a whole half another half hour about this um we've hurtled we've hurtled to kind of the half hour mark um Catherine, anything else from you? Musk-related, internet-related, or whatever, really? Nothing. Nothing Musk-related.
1: <laughs> it sounds bad, doesn't it? Musk is like <laughs> the Musk. I think. I think Twitter has become more musky since since the Musk, and I and I do wonder whether we'll all be moving away really? from the internet. And they're big
2: fans of Twitter. Twitter. Uh, I remember
1: so, so such a fan. <laughs>
2: but he's he, he's been forced to the deal, right? I mean, at some point he wanted he wanted to get out, but he, you know, the cost yes, was now, was probably too high. And
1: now he has to make everyone listen to him, and it is nasty. It turns out, well, it's, uh, it turns out, it's mental. So there we are. So I wonder whether there'll be more kind of digital detox type trips where people are kind of fleeing to nice resorts to get away from Elon Musk.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's going to work out very well for the sector. It is in it's the going to work out
1: well for the sector. So, which is yeah. what we all need. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks very much, Elon. But yeah, exactly. it is. <laughs> looking for? No more vacations.
0: How to recession-proof the sector. Yeah. Must buy Twitter. Do Done. <laughs> uh, on that note, yeah. Uh, Chavi, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it, I was, it was was fascinating, a really, really interesting discussion. And thank you for bearing with us for the couple of times that we've had to reschedule this. We very much, very much appreciate your company. Um, uh, Thank you, thank you. Um, And thank you, Catherine. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to both of you and thank you to Europe.
2: Thank you. Europe
0: (laughs) and the internet. Exactly. Um, Please do like, share, um, tell your dog about it and join us again for another episode of New Tricks. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting.
1: Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.